by the end of this this episode, we're gonna have like five minutes of actual podcast. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> we're just gonna keep digging holes. <laughs> it's just gonna be like fourth and one, bad decisions. Blake Bortles, the end. <laughs> that's, that's how it should start. <laughs> we put that at the beginning. We'll just mix it all up. <laughs> you guys didn't know this? Oh my god! No, sorry. This bitch just got mad on the court, so she threw a racket down and it bounced up and hit her in the face. What? <laughs> I want to see this. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Completely Unprepared Podcast. My name is David. I'm Jordan. Hi, I'm Kira. And uh, you both alive <laughs> after the uh, Minnesota game? <laughs> you know, I don't really know. Um, that was a very, not even just the Minnesota game, but that was a very intense weekend of just football in general. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get what everyone's so excited about with the Minnesota game. I mean, after the Saints kicked the field goal, it was over, right? I, I turned it off. Mm, not a, Nothing else happened, right? <laughs> no, nothing at all. Don't even worry about it. All right. Go definitely Saints. be sure to put all of your money on the Saints next week, Jay. <laughs> They're definitely going to beat the beat the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they play the Falcons, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, what a play by Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and and where Williams just makes an awful attempt at tackling him. You know, I don't blame him for that uh, that attempt, honestly. Because if Stefan Diggs makes that catch at all, then they're in field goal range. Because all he has to do, you know, is go get the line quickly, spike it, kick the field goal, and they win. Yeah. So he goes for the low tackle to not only stop uh digs but to also try and uh jar it loose he horribly misreads it don't get me wrong yeah yeah <laughs> but, but like people saying like oh he needs to wrap up no he should not wrap up in that situation he does need to slam into digs to make him miss that catch but yeah yeah i guess that is that right. is something that gets lost to it is the fact that when he catches it they're at about like five seconds left yeah exactly so he gets out of bounds, and that's still in play for Forbath, who just slotted a what fifty-three yarder right before it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good call. I didn't even think of that. So I mean, I don't disagree with him going for the low tackle like that, but man, you got to pay a little bit more attention. And the unfortunate part is uh, he's watching Diggs the entire time he approaches, and then the moment he ducks down, Diggs does. An unprecedented or a surprising leap to go ten feet in the air because that ball was overthrown. It was magical. Like to be entirely yeah. honest, the very first time I saw it, like at full speed, I thought he had hurdled the other guy. Like I legitimately thought, oh like, yeah, what's his name had gone down for the tackle and he just jumped clear over him. Obviously, like rewatching it from the other angle, that was not the case. But um, yeah, that was. A fucking incredible catch. Well, the funny thing is, if Case Keenum makes a good pass there, 
they probably lose that game. Because then Diggs doesn't have to jump so high, which means that uh, the defender, I forget his name, uh, doesn't try and go, or doesn't misread it. So he actually gets the tackle, maybe even jars it loose, and the Saints win. Yeah. So just... kudos to uh, Case Keenum for throwing a terrible ball. <laughs> Keenum was, uh, like, I obviously I only listened, so I wasn't really watching, but he was kind of favoring a lot of those really long passes. But he was able to move around a lot, a lot too, from what I was seeing. Like, mm. he had a lot of really good pocket protection, which was, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Vikings have shown that all year, but they really seriously stepped up on the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that he was able to move that far up in the pocket on that play, like, yeah. Well, the Vikings are uh, the most well-put-together team on all sides of the ball right now. Yeah, they're not I, the best at anything, but they're top five in everything. I wasn't sure it would be enough until this weekend. Like, seeing how they performed this weekend, is like, okay, there's no reason they can't they can't win out. Yeah. Well, if you have just, like, one guy that's unstoppable – and then a bunch of mediocre stuff, you can double coverage that guy. You can do all kinds of things to stop your main threat. And sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. But when everything's a threat, how do you even scheme against that? Yeah. Well, that's that's the only thing that, quite frankly, kept the Steelers in the game against the uh, Jaguars was that you know they they try and lock down on one of the one of the. Steelers guys, but you're still stuck with the fact that they can go to Bell, they can go to Juju, they can go to Martavis, and if you happen to stop all three of those guys, then you have to deal with Antonio. Yeah. I mean, Ben threw five touchdown passes in that game against quite a good defense. And one of them was to the defense. Well, okay, so he threw six <laughs> touchdown passes. Actually, I thought I thought this I thought the. Uh, I thought it was a fumble return for the touchdown. I don't think it was an interception. I think that's right. I don't think he returned the fumble. He did throw an interception, though. So Yes, he did. Almost two if Ramsey could have uh, extended all the way. Yeah, but that would have been a hell of a play by Ramsey. Oh, that would have been ridiculous. But, I mean, he's been making plays like that all year. So Yeah. The one thing that, was, that I found really surprising about that game was uh, Ben looked really, really, really scared to get hit. I mean, I... I understand that he's old and all that, and he probably should be afraid to get hit. But I've never seen him look so afraid to get hit. Yeah. Even even the few times that he ran, he immediately was looking to his side to try and find somebody to pitch it to. They didn't do any quarterback sneaks, even though in his career he is 18 for 19 on quarterback sneaks. He just looked so afraid. Because even on, what, fourth, fourth and one, they threw it, you know, a 16-yard pass and tried to challenge A.J. Boye. It's fourth and one. Yeah. Why are you gonna try and challenge one of the best corners in the league? Yep. That was a lot know. of the uh, the aftermath of that game was questioning the play calling uh, at some very specific times in the game. Rightfully you so. You mean it wasn't all just like complete in awe of big Blake Bortles? Was, <laughs> I mean, it's Blake Bortles. He was he was just bordling hard. Although Malik Jackson coming to Blake Bortles' defense is is some brilliant audio that I'm going to drop in probably right here. And every time he's going out there, he's a true competitor. You know, he has a lot of heart. And um, people can tell him all they want to, but we know what he can do, and he proved it today. 
He's a dog. I want to know what Jarrell Casey has to say about him choking in big moments. While you sit at home and watch us next week. Wow, that was some amazing audio that we just heard. It's actually really funny because right <laughs> after you said that, for some reason, an ad started playing in a window and I didn't know which one was open and it was for uh, Survivor. And it was like this very dramatic, intense music with like Jeff, what's his name, overlaying with like his voice. That, that was like very perfectly timed and it was. Wow. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> I wish you had heard it because now I just feel like an idiot. Well, now you have to find that and we'll, we'll plop it in to make it sound not so crazy. <laughs> This is Survivor Ghost Now you can just edit out me laughing up until this point. <laughs> wow. I don't know but how to yes. get out of this. <laughs> we don't. So let's talk more about that onside kick. Ah. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get out of this. Uh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The thing that surprises me the most about that. I, I have a lot of surprises about that one, but uh, you kicked. You didn't even get it ten yards, and you still can't recover it. How is that possible? When I was watching the highlights, I was like, "Wait, hold on, let me double." What? How much time is like two eighteen? What? And then, anyway. Right, see, see here's the thing, though. They somehow they hadn't been able to stop Jacksonville's offense all game. You couldn't really trust the defense. Yeah, I don't blame them for the play call. It was just such terrible execution. I don't know. They're not really that great at onside kicks historically, or at least in the past few years. Don't remind me. They haven't uh, gotten an onside kick since 2007, I think. What's the stat? Feel free to stat check that one. Hold on, I gotta let's see. But I'm pretty I don't sure want, that's accurate. I don't want that. I don't want to look that up. Also, 2008. Ah, I was close. 2008. <laughs> Guys, you're hurting my feelings. If a kid was born the day that they uh, last recovered an onside kick, that kid would be in fourth grade today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's true. true facts. That's good. So, about uh, the playoff appearances by the Broncos and the Seahawks. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Let us have this moment. Also, <laughs> you can totally you, – you get back at us anytime. It's true. <laughs> I still want to talk about that onside kick because um, one of my favorite parts about that onside kick was uh, one of the commentators at some point said, uh, you know, they kicked it right into Tyler Matikavich and he just couldn't hold on to it. Did you just blame the kid that got blasted by the ball five yards away from where or from the line of scrimmage for not recovering it? In no way is it his fault. I, I, I just couldn't believe that they're like, oh, it's Matikavich's fault, not the kicker. Not anybody on kick. the coaching staff. Not only that, but like to have been put in that situation to begin with. Yeah. Like there were – weren't there a couple like fourth and one? Yeah, uh, where, where were they? Water. Yeah, I only remember the one. Yeah, they, they, they tried, tried to pass outside it. outside run. With Le'Veon Bell on the first one, and then they tried a 16-yard pass to Martavis Bryant. That's the one I'm thinking of. That was the one. Uh, the I was second one. Too. And they Zero did. Uh, and they did it uh, a third time, I thought. But I think so. Those are the two that 
stand out the most to me. Yeah. There might have been another one. We were driving back for part of the game, so yeah, there's a bit of a gap in what I had actually seen. And golfing. <laughs> um. So I didn't get. To, I got to watch uh, the Titans Patriots game on Saturday. Oh, the most um, exciting game of the weekend. Which was intense and. And actually the only one not worth watching. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think I left in like the first quarter. That was the maybe? only good quarter. No, that's a lie. I did see, I was texting you guys during some of the earlier game. Um, Atlanta and I just can't remember Philadelphia. Drunk. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, definitely was drunk for that. The Atlanta Philadelphia game was good. I was surprised that Julio didn't come down with that ball. That's usually a play he makes. Granted, his foot came yes. down out of bounds anyways, but that ball still just went straight through his hands. But not well, being able to close his hands, that's what it was. The I real know. issue that I saw there was he slipped before that. Because if he wouldn't have slipped, then he would have had to come back and he'd have been right at the front of the goal because he's in one-on-one yeah. one on one coverage. He'd been right at the front of the goal and had an easy catch to finish that game out. He didn't but, slip. He fell down on the fucking ground and still got up in time. Like, no, that no. Means a... I think we're on to something. I think he slipped. I think the Eagles planned for it. Slipgate. <laughs> it's all a conspiracy. <laughs> he was down. Like, I remember just watching that and being so in awe of how all over the place he actually was on that play. Because he, like, fallen down. He got back up. He, like, switched directions twice. It... It was very Julio Jones, except for the catch, or lack thereof. Yeah. I just feel like I more often see him make that play than I don't. Granted, he actually struggles to make that play in the red zone. There's a lot of talk about that this year, um, considering the fact that his numbers were so bad down there last year, and then this year hasn't been much of an improvement. They haven't been had a great pass-catching option in the red zone since, uh, I, I want to say, since Tony Gonzalez retired. But... I'm speaking anecdotally, so. I mean, that I makes sense. I haven't. Because once, you, once you're in a red zone, I mean, your wide receiver is not usually your best option. It's going to be your tight end because they're bigger and can box out. Yeah. Whereas a wide receiver is more, uh, you know, for speed and getting open deeper. But it does depend, too, because, like, um, oh, what's his name? Like, Megatron was a great red zone option. Oh, yeah. So, so you can still replace that guy with a with a wide receiver. It's just they haven't done that either. Yeah, well, Megatron's also a little bit different. Fair enough. I was watching sport sports science on him one time, and uh, they proved that he has the catching radius the size of a garbage truck. So, if you can throw it in a garbage pr- truck shape around him, he will make the catch. Jesus Christ! Because his wingspan is that big. And his speed is that crazy. However, there's this stat uh, that Matt Ryan this season went one of 18 or 6% completion rate on passes to Julio Jones in the end zone this year. Yikes. Info. One of 16 to Julio Jones in the end zone. So I'm not speaking anecdotally anymore. No, like (laughs) that. You actually backed it up. Good job. Proud of you. Thanks. You had Kira back you up. It was perfect. This is friendship. <laughs> Speaking of, by the way, uh, my goddaughter got this new My Little Pony movie that's all about friendship and shit, and it's actually 
really got a very complex storyline and I'm really obsessed. So if you know anybody who watches My Little Pony. I know of nobody who watches My, My Little Pony, unfortunately. Or I, fortunately. My ex used to watch it. And I was like, please don't make me sit through this. And so I like, definitely, I definitely judge all the bronies. I know that that's apparently a thing. But uh, I ha- I watched it because I was FaceTiming with her earlier and my like her mom, my cousin, was explaining to me like how complex this plot was and I made her stay on FaceTime until I saw like the resolution of the conflict. Anyway, going back to that stat about Julio Jones. <laughs> also did not know that Julio Jones's full name is Quintoras Lopez Julio Julio Jones. Quintoras <laughs> yep. Lopez. What? <laughs> Yeah, that's um. I mean, I, I would go by Julio if that was my full name. Yeah, definitely. Quintores Lopez. Julio or Q. Yeah, Q's great. It's about your only options there. But Q, so uh, Mariota ends his playoff run. <laughs> yeah, his perfect undefeated playoffs. Valiantly. No in college, he was one and one in the playoffs. In the NFL, he's one and one in the playoffs. Well, don't don't say it like he's never going to go back. I'm saying currently. Yeah. Not like he's dead. <laughs> no. I'm just glad he completed an entire NFL season without an injury. It's a miracle. Well, you know, it, that's just because he has made the conscious effort to eat a lot of bananas this year. <laughs> Speaking of... <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the lead-in. I got you. Now that we've talked about all the football, we're going to get to the most entertaining and wonderful sport that everyone should watch. (laughs) Um, Tennis. The Australian Open is kicking off right now, and it is already a clusterfuck, and it's wonderful. So so tell us a little bit more about why tennis is entertaining, because you sent a text earlier, and I kind of read it, but I still don't get it. And the text was, I heart white people sports. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to find a much more white sport than tennis except for golf. And I love both of them. But yeah, no, like, tennis is hard to watch if you don't know what's going on, to be honest. Like, because a lot of it is understanding, like, how a point is shaped and how they're setting themselves up for better shots. Uh, but if you don't know tennis, it's hard to watch that. And it was a lot better back in the day, uh, like in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, when you had all these polarizing characters. So beyond just the sport, there was a lot of entertaining personalities. But now they're all really cookie-cutter and boring for the most part. They're all like really nice and upstanding gentlemen. And you're just like, I just want one of you to be an asshole. That's it. We're starting to get it a little bit, but it's taken some time. What's that Um, one, uh, Nick? Curious, yeah. yeah, that kid. He is a fucking asshole, and he's the best thing for the sport right now. Because, <laughs> like, love him or hate him, you're gonna talk about him, right? Exactly. You know about I don't him. even follow tennis very closely, and I know that name because he's a dick. Exactly. And sometimes he's in the right, and sometimes he's absolutely in the wrong. And that's the only reason why I hate him is because he's known to throw matches when he knows he's out of them which just pisses me off to no end. Always compete. That's ridiculous. People are paying money to watch you, and you're just giving a big fuck you to them. But 
And uh, the most recent news for him, uh, <laughs> at one point he was serving and uh, some fan shouted out, which is kind of the biggest thing you should never do as a fan in tennis because it interrupts the serve and it can really mess with the game. And uh, the chair ump did nothing. So instead of just letting it go, <laughs> Nick Kyrgios says on international television, how about you shut the fuck up, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was uh, It was something. And the best part about all that is it's actually only the third time that the word fuck was said in the Australian Open <laughs> that day. That, okay, I thought you were going to say ever, and I was like, shut up. No, no. Just that day alone. International television. Fuck. <gasps> Third time. What were the other two times? Um, so before that, Coco Vandeweghe, uh, who's the niece of Kiki Vandeweghe, fun fact. Um, she was really, I, I don't know why she was so upset with her opponent, but at one point she just throws her racket down, catches it, and looks at her opponent and goes, uh, let me get the quote right because it needs to be done some justice. Uh, Fuck off, you fucking bitch. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Really showing up well for the Americans. This is great. Yeah. That match was crazy, too. Going back to why we transition or how we transitioned here, before that, she was mad about bananas. I kid you not. Um, she, uh, I guess, uh, I guess uh, between sets, they're supposed to bring you a banana to eat. And, uh, yeah. you know. Because that's a thing. I've never heard of it, but apparently that's how it is. They couldn't just leave bananas on the court. No, they have to, you know, go and bring them out to you. Have you and, not uh, ever played Mario Kart? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a major gonna, hazard. <laughs> how are you going to play without your banana? And uh, apparently they did not bring her, the banana in time. And they were going to make her go play the second set. But she really needed her banana. And so she was yelling at the chair umpire. Uh, why am I being punished because you guys are unprepared? She has a good point. But I got to hear the greatest set of words ever, which was, delay of game, bananas. <laughs> yes. I, I actually uh, greatly appreciate that high maintenance, just because, I mean... Yeah. It's fucking tennis. Yeah, and like... you promised a banana, you need your banana. You need your fucking banana. Yeah. You might not even want the banana in the first place, but you were promised a banana, and now you want it. Yeah. And a blimmer. You know, setting those high expectations for athletes. Honestly, though, Coco Vandeweghe is my favorite player in tennis right now. When she was beating the world number one, she was literally dabbing on the court. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. She was throwing dabs on the court. Oh my goodness. Well, so that, that brings up an interesting point about, like, you know, trying to make this sport more appealing to a younger. Oh, excuse me. Fuck. So, like, a younger generation, but also, like, a not white population. Yeah. Like, so many people are probably just like, oh, why? Why would Nick say those things? Or like, why? Like, how is this acceptable? Blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, you're like, uh, 
Brad, check out them ratings. Like, people are talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, going back, like, if you look at the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that's when you have the heydays of some of the most polarizing people in sports. Uh, Jimmy Connors and uh, Andre Agassi, Johnny McEnroe. Like, these guys were literally just, were just literally getting fights with the umpires on the field or on the court. So it, it, become, it gets to the point where even if you don't understand the sport, you can watch it and still be entertained. And then yes. at the same time, kind of start learning and figuring it out. And then it's, you start to enjoy it. It's the only reason that Shooter McGavin couldn't get Happy Gilmore kicked off the tour. <laughs> exactly. You know what Happy Gilmore did for ESPN's ratings? Holy shit. <laughs> he completely funded the Ocho, which they botched. <laughs> All the Ocho. Literally the greatest. Yeah. I heard that. I heard, and I it, it very well may have been a joke, and I just didn't never followed up on it. But I heard that ESPN was considering like actually making an online version of the Ocho, where they would just like minimally cover obscure sports as a way of testing opening markets. I pray that happens. I really That'd hope. Be, yeah, that would be amazing, especially if they could get uh, Gary Cole and uh, oh my god, Jason Bateman. As the commentators, <laughs> hey, you know if if they could do that, pickleball world championships might take a take oh a run god. at some of these other sports. Oh, pickleball! I was gonna say rugby world sevens is coming to the Bay Area. They can put that on ESPN Ocho. That one would probably go on ESPN. Rug, rugby's popular worldwide, at least. Worldwide, yeah. There was a a moment where. Professional paintball players were trying to uh, make taser ball a more popular sport. Hmm. And uh, basically that game just involves running around with one of those big medicine balls. And you can move it down the field as much as you, however you want. And you're throwing it into a soccer goal, basically. But uh, everyone has tasers. And they, so they can just come up and tase the shit out of you if you have the ball. Hmm. It's very entertaining. And it so- definitely belonged on the Ocho. Something tells me that collective bargaining agreement's not going to be easy to draw up. <laughs> Can you imagine the insurance on that? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so it's a game where people just tase each other a lot. Yeah, we're not covering that. They're like, be sure to tune in this week. It's so yeah, nice. sports, are, uh, sports are cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, now that college football is over, you know, I'm just lost in a dazed wandering yeah, ca- and counting the days <laughs> 226 days i think it is give or take a little bit sounds Maybe about right on that um oh 221 oh see you've been We're sooner even than i thought yeah so i need uh warriors over swept... yet i know well college so, football fine. isn't over yet it is for big ben <laughs> well, although he said he's coming back next year. Yeah. That's a his, bad his decision. Last, his last game wouldn't be in Gillette Stadium. I wanted or them uh no, uh Yeah, Heinz, on Heinz, in Heinzfield, yeah, but Heinzfield, sorry. Yeah. I misquoted. I was <laughs> remembering saying, Jay's last game's not gonna be in Gillette. <laughs> yeah, I remember because Jay said something like, Yeah, it's gonna be in Gillette Stadium. I still want to see them go after Baker Mayfield. 
especially now that he would get a year behind Ben. Yeah, I think every team that needs a quarterback is saying that they want Baker Mayfield. No, they're saying they want the other four. Yeah, I know, not the fan base, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, that other guy. Yeah, him. Lamar. Uh, I think most people want much call it over Lamar, though. Baker Mayfield. Don't let them hear you. (laughs) Well, I mean, outside of a quarterback for every team who needs a quarterback, like. I thought you said you liked the triple option. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Deshaun Kaiser, Duke Johnson. This is a terrible triple option. They oh would get murdered. Big part of the triple option is that all your backs have to block. Nah, they, they can make this happen. And your quarterback gets laid out <laughs> often. Because you basically are using your quarterback as a running decoy. <laughs> There's a reason sad. they can't do it anymore. Because <laughs> most, most quarterbacks aren't big enough. Didn't handle the uh, blitzing lineman that they got nowadays constantly. Well, fine. There's a flaw in my ideas then. Yeah, Baker might, or uh, Baker and Ben might be able to pull it off, but Ben's not really a big enough or a good enough runner. Baker and Ben sounds like a really fun like uh, police cop drama where Ben Roethlisberger is <laughs> like the older, like sage wise cop and. Baker is like the hot shooter who comes in and is messing up the department. <laughs> so basically like Gotham. Basically. Baker and Ben is, uh, says, I'm too old for this shit like 20 times, like a weapon. <laughs> and then he goes and like grabs a woman and takes her into the bar's bathroom. <laughs> no, no. No, he doesn't have to grab too. one. She, she's just in there already. He did, she doesn't oh, know about right. it. He just goes in the women's bathroom and like holds up his finger like, shh. With a big smile on his face. Then it cuts to like really shitty theme music. (laughs) Um, I want to watch this now. (laughs) It's called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I haven't actually watched that show. Is it any good? It's actually really funny. Yeah. I think Andy Samberg is the least funny part of it, which is saying something because I like Andy Samberg. Yeah. I was going to say that was probably the the one part that would turn me off about the show. I'm not, I, I like Andy Samberg, but like too much Andy Samberg is such a thing. Yeah, he's, he's not, not like dick in a box. He's, he's like, yeah. he's like the way he, uh, did like hot rod type thing, but a little bit more serious or oh, and, and only a little bit more serious. <laughs> yeah. He's not overly Andy Samberg. Yeah. He's very much a character, which is good. I think Chelsea Peretti was my, my favorite character in the show. Yeah, well, she's surprising. I she's actress, I'm, not a, but... I'm not a big fan of Chelsea Peretti normally, but I really like her in that show. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, it's definitely good if you see it on if you see it on TV. T- check it out. Yeah, How, is it just in the one season, or is it in the second? Season? Oh, it's it like their fifth. They've had several. Yeah. Oh, we got a pooch in the background. Pooper. Oh, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine is. Started in 2013, so I think they're, yeah, on their fifth season now. Wow. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty good. I, I watched, like, the first, like, most of the first two. Yeah. And then I just watched episodes here and there. Yeah. It's not like you re- there's, like, an overarching story, really, that you have to worry about. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> this is what our podcast, podcast is going to be in, <laughs> come February. Like, uh 
So nothing, right? There's nothing? Nothing to talk about still? All right. What TV have you guys been watching? We can get into some NBA. Oh. Warriors <laughs> won over the Cavs tonight, even though nice. they did okay. I didn't watch it. I was too busy watching The Hateful Eight, actually. Oh, yeah. How, how was that? Um, In light of the Weinstein scandals, it was really awkward. Mm. Um, but it was good. It was very gory, very Tarantino-esque. Um, you know, I've always appreciated Quentin Tarantino a lot. But uh, yeah, it was just very like, I don't know. It was very, it was almost like to Quentin Tarantino. And there was a lot of like, I want to say jumping around, but they don't really explain how one of the characters is really able to figure all this shit out. Mm. And then... um. Like basically it's like they overdid it just for the sake of overdoing it. And then they just threw in a shit ton of cuss words and had one female character that basically Kurt Russell just beat up on the whole entire time. So, but then she also get like best supporting actress for that or something? I mean she was good, like but her character was just like so she plays this crazy criminal who's on the lamb and Kurt Russell has arrested her. And that's how the movie starts out, is that he and this chick, um, Jessica Jason Lee's character, um, are in the stagecoach. And they're on their way for him to cash in her bounty, whatever, get her hanged. And then they stumble upon Samuel L. Jackson's character, who he's a bounty hunter. Of course. Um, and he gets his way on the stagecoach, along with this other sheriff kind of guy, whatever. Um, but, like, the whole entire movie, like... She doesn't really say a whole lot. Um, she just kind of like she she's just like this absolutely crazy, deranged character. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I didn't I didn't know she won Best Supporting Actress for that because honestly, it was nothing outstanding. Um, hmm. Her acting job did really great, but the role did not really contribute at all to the movie. So yeah. Okay. So important question then. What, what what's your favorite Tarantino movie? Kill Bill. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's pretty much hands down. Uh, although um, he did uh, Inglorious Bastards, right? I think so. Uh, that is a very very close second. So. Um, yeah. While I hear you on that. I still think my favorite from him is uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. And if you've never seen that movie, I highly recommend it. It's the I weirdest. I actually have not. Is that like... Oh, this is the movie I was thinking of with... Uh... Oh my god, what's that guy's name? Clooney. No. Um. Who's the other guy in it? Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> no, there was, there was somebody else who like... Had oh, a uh, Danny Trejo? Role. Yes! Yeah! I freaking love Danny Trejo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, no, like, okay, okay. Here, here's, here's how this movie goes. Quentin Tarantino is one of the main characters. Him and his brother are, is George Clooney. And, uh, well, they're both, like, these criminals on the run. And for the first, like, hour and a half, uh, they're on the run, and they're trying to get away and escape the cops. And then they end up in Mexico. And in Mexico, they check into... 
some random little hotel on the side of the road. And then the movie takes a completely different turn, and they fight demons for the rest of it at this hotel. And then they just try and get away from the demon hotel. It's literally two completely different movies crammed into one, and it's fantastic. Also, Drew Barrymore and Selma Hayek? It's no. a great movie. Selma Hayek, interesting. Drew Barrymore, it? But yeah. That's definitely my uh, favorite Tarantino. David, you gonna weigh in on Tarantino situation? You know, I haven't watched enough of him. I like I, I would say what my favorite is, but the truth is I've only seen Kill Bill and and only the first one, and um, Pulp You've Fiction. You've seen Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. yeah okay. That's those are the only two that I've seen. Have you seen Django? No. It's a great one. That's good. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. That's probably another classic. Um, that one's a weird one because that, that's that's one that's just like one scene, right? Yeah, that one was the one that really started. I mean, well, now that I look, From Dust Till Dawn is after Reservoir Dogs, but um, that yeah, his, off. his first uh, written piece apparently is Love Birds in Bondage. Sounds very quaint. That sounds absolutely accurate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that uh, was I was watching. Pretty good. But if we're not gonna talk about NBA, I guess. Well <laughs> We can talk about the NBA. No, we really as I haven't even been following it lately because playoffs don't start for a while, so Yeah. Exactly. So that's that, that's my issue with like basketball and baseball and all these other sports. Like, the regular season has so many games that it's just so hard to keep up and watch and, like, stay so into it when each game really doesn't have that much of an impact. I mean, obviously, as a whole, they're going to have an impact. But in well, football, it's like every game really does matter. Yeah. Well, that's what I've always liked about baseball is that it actually is the hardest sport to play for that reason, I feel like. Like, having mm. to constantly be, like, at game performance level ready day in and day out, like 162 games a year. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, I did, I read this today actually, and I wanted to, I figured that you would have an opinion on it. Um, Ken Norton Jr. becoming the Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> after the Niners just hired him last week. Yeah. So, I mean, he was unbeaten in San Francisco. <laughs> That's an aggressive <laughs> storyline. I mean, it's technically true. Technically. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why we made that decision. Uh, it's just, it seems so strange to take the guy that led the Raiders defense when even when the Raiders were good, everyone was like, wow, if only their defense was a little better, they would be winning the Super Bowl. And now he's in Seattle. Hooray! <laughs> Random. Because, you know, we don't, need a, or we don't need a defense with our stellar offense. We can yeah. sure run that ball. So are you guys ready for 
this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be good. You know, you got all the elite quarterbacks in the league. You got Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, <laughs> Case Keenum. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You absolutely should. I think it's funny you have those three, and then you have uh, Tom Brady. It's like, one of these things is not like the other. It's true. Hey, don't hate on Bortles. Bortles has thrown his brain into my heart. <laughs> That's going to be like the name of his biography. Bortles <laughs> has thrown his way into my heart. Yeah, um, Bortles has had himself, you know, I said this before on the podcast, Bortles has had himself a season. And I, I think people are very skeptical to give him any credit because of his past seasons. But it's actually been better this year, which probably is helped by a very good running game with Leonard Fournette and yeah. the defense to really help it out. But still, credit where credit's due. He's well, obviously he had, not top. but He had a huge year a couple years ago, 2015. That was when he had, like, over 4,000 passing yards. Yeah. He hasn't hit that mark yet this year. I mean, he's already – I think he's not going to hit it. So it's like 4,400 or something like that. Yeah. But, that's gonna be that's gonna be the uh, sub or subtitle sub subtitle for his biography. He's not gonna hit it. His subtitle for his autobiography. Yep. Blake Bortles not gonna hit it. It's probably his his uh, unofficial biography. Actually, <laughs> I find it less likely he makes that about himself. In working, yeah, that's true. Are there any, I mean, I'm trying to think famous football players who have had an autobiography and not a biography. Tony Dungy. If I would have done it. <laughs> by, uh, OJ Simpson. Are you just saying players uh, who have had an auto or players who have had both an auto and a, and a regular? Auto. Just, just like, I mean. Oh, Michael Vick. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Yeah, Michael Vick had one called uh, Finally Free. Did you read this? I bought it. I read the first, like, eight pages and said, wow, you sound like a second grader and put it down. Right. So that's where I'm saying I wonder how many of these best-selling autobiographies. There was also uh, I Feel Like Going On, Ray Lewis. Interesting. I think that's what it was called. I did read that one. I read all of that one. It was a good book, but, uh, uh, you know, exaggerated, if I'm... Uh, yeah. Was there a section in there where he talked about how uh, his friends took the rap for him? Uh, well, that's not what he said, but yes, there was a section about the incident to which you are referring. <laughs> mm -hmm. But look, yeah. Jay, look. There's something you gotta understand, right? God does not make mistakes. <laughs> uh, he sure made Ray Lewis. Um, and, and for, for anyone who, Sorry. real quick, for anyone who doesn't know, God does not mistake does not make mistakes. Was what Ray Lewis said when they asked him before his last Super Bowl what he would say to the family if they were there. To the <clears throat> Just such a piece of shit. God, 
So. He's the only guy that can make me rate, root for the Niners. <laughs> My god damn, I hate that dude so much. Yeah. Oh, you know what we, we've yet to cover on this podcast? Uh, the Georgia-Alabama game. Oh. Really? I, have, I, haven't, I haven't said the words to attack of Boy yet, so. Oh, so we haven't. Yeah. Wow. Do I, know. It, do it, do it. I think we were texting throughout it or something. I don't know. Yeah, fucking millennials. I think we're so far late on it, though. What do you What do you think ends up happening next year for the uh, Alabama starting quarterback situation? Uh, I'm almost 100 percent sure that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the starter. Yeah, well, isn't Jalen Jalen Hurts didn't declare right? No, declared yet. He didn't have a yeah. He didn't have a good. No, he's not too young. Uh, he's, uh, I think he's more year. No, he's nineteen. Oh. Is he? He's played two years. He could declare if he wants to. Oh, I, th- yeah. I thought you had to play three years. No. Nah. Oh. Jameis played two years. Uh, that other idiot played two years. Johnny. Two. Johnny. Oh, John. John Manzel. Sorry. No, oh, tennis stuff. Tennis stuff got me all distracted. Got distracted by the dog barking. I got distracted by the fact that Simona Halep is losing to some unranked, even though she's the number one seed in the world. But uh, her opponent is currently getting checked out by the medical staff. Uh oh. She's doping. Nah, she poisoned her opponent. Guarantee it. Totally. <laughs> um, she but yeah, took her, she took her opponent's bananas. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be bananas? You know, honestly, I feel like Nick Saban's going to make them duck it out in the beginning of the season anyway. He's probably like, yeah, cool, you won a national title. Like, now fuck, be a starting quarterback. Like, and then (laughs) beginning of the season, like, he is one person who, when they're like, so what is this for your quarterback next year? He's like, I don't fucking know. Let's wait until next season. Yeah. I mean, if I was a coach, that's what I'd tell him. I'd be like, all right, season's over. None of you have your spots again. Yep. Fight for yeah. it. Because why? Why should I let you be like be guaranteed a spot because of what you did last year? Great. I'm really happy that you did that last year. But this is a new year. This is a new team. If someone can play better than you, they can have your spot. Also, don't get a DUI in the off season. And who yeah. knows? Some crazy random transfer or true freshman or redshirt freshman could also come in and just fuck everything up for the both of them. So, No, Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the best in the country. Uh, how do you Hawaii. say that again? Tua Tagovailoa? Tagovailoa. 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 Yep. They really struggle to find funny. name, too. Oh, yeah. I always find it funny that the commentators, they can read any kid's name no matter how black it is but as soon as you get any poly names they have no idea there's like <laughs> derrick rogers yeah d-a-r-i-c-k obviously that's derrick i know that tua tagova vula vula and there's like no idea well to be fair i'm sure that none of them were thinking they were gonna announce <laughs> that's true well even when they know like yeah i remember a couple years ago they had Wade Kali'ikipi from Waianae, Hawaii. And they called him Wade Kali'ikipi from Waianae. <laughs> I would love to just, like, have, 
like I just picture you as this pop-up character that every time a poly name is pronounced wrong in a press box you like poof out of nowhere and you're wearing a grass skirt and a Hawaiian shirt and you're like actually it is I would love that job for the record like, it's like a little <laughs> genie He's the little be- he's the little pop bubble in the old VH1 music video show. <laughs> yes. Did you oh know? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Did you know Joe Buck has no idea how to say that word? <laughs> Tago Bailoa. Yes. Tago Bailoa. I would love that. I think the reason why it bothers me so much is it's such a phonetic like you just break it into parts. Ta go vai lo a. It it's so it, it's so intuitive, but our mouth like I feel like it's also a lot of jaw movement. That yeah, beyond Joe Buck just wanting to suck Alabama's dick, he's not used to. <laughs> so. It's true, but yeah, you know, to talk about to talk about the actual game, <laughs> which oh, yeah. we've yet you've yet to we've yet to say anything about. It feels um, like it was so long ago. It really yeah, does. Like, well, that's because as soon as it happened, you just want to erase it from your memory. Oh, seriously. <laughs> oh, that one again. Great. Uh, but at the same, it was almost worse because they were so close to not winning. Yeah. So close. But Georgia just stepped off of it. Jesus Christ. God. Put the foot on the throat, Kirby Smart. Don't be the nice guy. Just choke yeah. him out. But yeah, I, like... So Georgia was coming out so strong in the first half by having Jake Fromm throw it deep, and you know they're getting all kinds of good looks and all kinds of different schemes to throw Alabama's defense off. And then they had that lead, and they went into the second half, and they're like, "All right, now that we got that, we're just going to run the ball the entire night, and Alabama is going to have no problem stopping it if you do they nothing just, but run." They over anticipated it. They really did. They tried. Like I mean. You- know that that's what they said and you know that they were like okay like we've been doing well so far like Alabama's obviously going to try and make an adjustment because that's what they accounted for in the second half of the Rose Bowl game to like they expect the adjustments so then it's like no they literally don't have to do shit like you have to just keep coming out swinging yeah yeah I don't know I mean I, th- I think the three biggest losses that Alabama's have had in recent memory are uh, Auburn, Clemson, and Ole Miss. All yeah. three of those times, those teams, no matter how much of a lead, if they had a lead, no matter what, they stayed on it. You know, they would oh, not yeah. give up. They didn't give up on the pass. They didn't, you know, try to run it out or anything. Because you can't treat it like a normal game because it's fucking Alabama. Exactly. And I get wanting to run down the clock just as much as the next. Like, come on, like you can't, you can't just, you can't you can just do that. Let, yeah, you can do that with six minutes left. But you also, can't do the thing half. that pisses me off a lot about it is we still had number one versus number two. Yeah, I'm such a purist in that manner. I'm like, I grew up back in the day when it was still always number one versus number two. We were supposed to have this fancy playoff system. Get a chance at it. We're still facing the number one, number two. Ugh, get off my lawn. But uh, congratulations to the national championship team. UCF. UCF? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very proud I of them. I'm obsessed. Like 
two best parades this year so far. Number one, the Cleveland Browns for having an 0 16 season. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's number two. And number one, the UCF National Championship Parade. At Disney World, just to make it even better. Oh, brazen. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah. That... Zero fucks. Uh, how do we know how how uh, how much of that team is returning next year? Of UCF? Yeah. Is it, not, is it a significant mm-hmm. amount? Not on the coaching staff. No, nah, but I mean on the players. Um, I think Shaquille Griffin is going is leaving. Uh, the quarterback's staying. Uh, but those are the only two I know of, because those are the two main characters. I was hoping a substantial amount would be returning because they uh, you can't sleep on them two years in a row if they pulled that off again. Yeah, well, that's the problem now because their coaching staff is leaving. They're not going to be able to have that same success, most likely. Yeah. Um, or it's going to be very difficult to come back and do that again. What do uh, what what's their um, out of conference games? This 2018, they are at North Carolina. Uh, against Florida Atlantic, which is going to be dope. And uh, they got uh, Pittsburgh coming. So they've got decent enough out-of-conference games that if they pulled off a one-loss season, you think they could get in? No, absolutely not. They have to go undefeated? They have to go undefeated, and I'm still not convinced they'll get in. Because North Carolina's weak right now, and so is Pittsburgh. Florida Atlantic is good, but they're not. They're going to get just as much credit as USF did and Memphis did, which is zero. Yeah. Well, damn. So, really uh, cool to see that Alabama pulled off six championships in ten years, counting next year. <laughs> That's not really cool. That's awful. <laughs> Nick Saban now is the outright record holder for most national titles as a coach. And uh, he's only tied he's only tied for most national titles at his school. <laughs> Still my favorite stat. Sorry, what? I was just having a visceral reaction. <laughs> but, so visceral you weren't even sure what it was to. <laughs> also in, in that same vein, um, if you compare like if you adjust for inflation for what Bear Bryant made in a year, Nick Saban makes in about five days. Ooh. It's insane how much they pay him, comparatively. He's worth every every penny. Oh, yeah. He, I don't blame him. Is he the highest paid of all? Like, who's the highest paid as far as NFL coaches go? For coaching? Uh, yeah. Charlie you know, was. I, <laughs> he definitely was for a little bit. Um... I want to say probably Belichick, but I, I have no proof. Just, you know, pay the best guy. Better, better question. Yeah. Who in their respective sport deserves to be paid the most? Kenny Mutololo. Who? The uh, head coach for Navy football. Oh. Consistently runs a great team with Navy despite always being undersized and having to run triple option. The results that that man gets with such undersized players is insane. Well, unfortunately, he's a government employee, so he'll never get paid what he's worth. Actually, he's the highest paid person in the entire U.S. Navy. <laughs> well, that's well, that's different. It's because of boost. It's because of the boosters. Because yeah. uh, so, so they get uh, all all the 
military academies uh, head coaches are the highest paid in their branches exclusively uh, because of boosters. Maybe not the coach of Citadel, but for Army, Navy, and Oh, definitely the coach of Citadel. Are you kidding? 100% pay the man. Because <laughs> he beat South Carolina. There you go. <laughs> um, as of the beginning of the year in 2017, so in May, back before, or in the offseason, whatever, for football, um, Nick Saban, well, let's start off. Uh, Big, Big Belichick. Jesus. Bill Belichick um, <laughs> made $7.5 million a year. Um, San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich made $11 million a year. More and Nick Saban was also making about uh, $11.125 million in 2018. Hmm. So he's another case of one of these things is not like the other. He is very possibly, I mean, this is as of May 2017, he is very possibly like the, one of the highest paid coaches in all of sports, at least American sports, for sure. I'm sure that, um, what's the name from um, soccer makes way more than that. What, coach from soccer? Oh, yeah, like someone in EPL, they have to make more. Um, yeah. Because soccer players get paid like hundreds. The players do, but I don't know if the... Yeah, okay. So, 10 best paid managers. I guess I don't really hear too much them talking about their salaries because the soccer coaches, like, good soccer coaches move around a lot more than, than yeah. like, good... Like, Belichick's been there for almost 20 years now, right? Something like that? Yeah, right. It's probably more like 18 or something, but... How much did uh, Bill check it paid? $7.5 million a year as of May 20th. Yeah. Uh, Jose Mourinho get, got paid between 2015 and 2016 $27 million. Is he a player? Uh, it's it's Mourinho. Mourinho. Yeah, he's that's the manager he's for manager. Uh, Manchester United. Oh, so yeah, that's the guy. I was going to say Manchester United. Or Man- even Manchester City probably make. I think Winger gets paid a lot too, doesn't he? Who? They have to. Winger, Winger. Wenger. Sure. It's it, it's <laughs> pronounced with a V. Um. No, I hate Arsenal, so I'm calling him Winger. <laughs> you know what? A lot this... of them do too. I love how this podcast has included both Jay correcting people on how to say people's names and Jay getting corrected <laughs> on how to say. People's name <laughs> no see but here's the difference i don't respect winger it, yeah <laughs> so some uh some people don't like him are like arsenal fans and so they'll refer to him as uh arsehole winger <laughs> so oh, wait, are, arsenal, arsenal fans winger. don't like him yeah they then i love him they were uh flying banners above the stadium that said fire vanger uh then he's my favorite Damn. <laughs> I love Wenger. He is awesome. That's all you needed to say. But yeah, I think I think he's decent personally. But um, yeah, I guess I never really paid attention to what the coaches are or managers, for that matter, are, are making in uh, the EPL. I I know that the players make significantly more money than 
other pro athletes, uh, but much of that is because of their, like when you look at what Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi are paid, a lot of what comes into how much money they make is because of sponsorship deals and because they're on an international stage, they can get much more money on those sponsorship deals than, than like uh, American athletes can. Yeah. Absolutely. Like at, at one point in time, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was making just as much money from his salary as he was from his sponsorships. Forty million yeah. piece. I mean, oh god, yeah, you get into sponsorships and then you're just getting obscene amounts there for sure. Yep. Yeah. But Plus, even though I feel you get way more fame as a soccer player than you do as a football player. Exactly. Well, and that's where I feel like the whole you know, talking about pay and paying coaches and paying staff, whatever, isn't just talked about in EPL or in soccer as much as it is even in football. It's not as much of a noise or noisemaker anymore, I guess, for like a better word. Yeah. Um, well, like, because once you start having so much more corporate money into it. Yeah, like, exactly. Also, for some reason, they refer to these the coaches, uh, salaries on a per week basis uh so both of the manchester bosses make 388 uh pounds a week three sorry 388,000 pounds a week okay there we go that makes much more sense jeez um so they they each make 388,000 a week number 3 they're they're tied for first third is a hundred and sixty thousand, so they're substantially okay. higher paid than anybody else. Um, there are there are seven uh, EPL managers who make over a hundred thousand a week, and of course that depends on the age of what I'm looking at, but I'm just gonna assume it's accurate. I mean, it makes sense. It's interesting that there's that ma- that high of a drop off. Uh, if you knew Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho compared to the other coaching counterparts, it would make more sense. Well, hasn't United been like one of the top like finishers or whatever for God now, like eighteen years? They've won roughly half of the Premier League cups. Yeah. Um. And and I say just cups because there's multiple. There's the shield and the cup and all this other stuff. Um, but um, they the the key to their success was they churned out like five of probably the best twenty five players in in that league uh, at a time when they they were doing it primarily through their development club and not through purchasing players as much. So they would purchase players on a supplemental um, basis and their team was completely built from the ground up. And so it was just so difficult to compete with them because they had some these, these you know, they, when it comes to longstanding players at a club, you just don't see that as much anymore. Um, so the kind of success that they had, the kind of run that they had, I don't think is going to be repeated, uh, probably ever. That makes hmm. sense. <sighs> well, now I feel really shitty about my career. I know, right? Yeah. I, it, it takes me over a year to make a hundred thousand dollars. They're doing it. 
in Wayne, a week. Wayne Rooney's been playing on. Uh, he played for Manchester United at age sixteen. Was when he started. How old is he now? Like thirty something. Yeah, he's in his mid thirties, but he doesn't play for them anymore. But still. He played for them up until just a few years ago, though. Uh, yeah, this this is his first year not playing for them. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, now he plays for yeah, Everton. So exactly what you said. See, football's not over. Now yeah. it's just football. On that note, I think this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just quick predictions for next week, and then we'll uh, we'll cap it off. Uh, Bortles Keenum final Aaron Super Bowl. Yes. I would love to see that happen. Uh, I am more optimistic that it's or not optimistic, but I'm I'm more uh, inclined to believe that it's going to be uh, Keenum versus Tom Brady. Brady but yeah. Hoping yep. for Bortles. Um, Hashtag yep. Bortles out. We're on the same page there. Uh, I'd love to see, and, and really, what's sealed it for me because like I really didn't care that much. I don't, I don't hate Tom Brady like everybody else does. Um, but uh, what really sealed it for me that I want it to be the Jaguars in the Super Bowl was hearing the Jaguars press conferences after the game. I want a media week of that. <laughs> and I, all that uh, disrespect comments. Oh gosh. They're they're fantastic. I really am gonna make an effort to put that Malik Jackson one in the beginning. Yes, that's so good. You'll be able to. And here is Survivor ad. Yes, of course. Just send me the ad, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll pot it, put oh, it in there. I don't care if we get sued. They can take all the money we've made off of this. Yeah, actually, I don't think we can be sued because uh, I don't think we made any money yet. Yeah, we're fine. We owe them our first dollar as soon as we make it, but other than that. One dollar won't hurt us. Well, I don't know. Actually, it might. Me first dollar. But. Well, as soon as Jay's dad can get this Microsoft deal sealed, we'll uh, start <laughs> advertising for some Microsoft Surfaces. Yeah. Head coaches and or um, yeah. Is, don't they have a deal with NFL? Where like not, they had the oh, coaches yeah. using yeah. Surfaces oh, yeah. for a while. Well, and funny anecdote. Actually, using of? it. Yeah. Um, I know somebody who's uh, one of the main like head people for the advertisement department for Surface, and uh, she, uh, you know, is a big part of putting it out there, making sure everyone is promoting Surfaces. And there was one time when uh, who was always commentating with Joe Buck. I can't remember his name offhand. Quarterback for UCLA. Uh, yeah, don't help me, guys. I don't know no, the we answer. like to let you struggle. Yeah. I'm just mad that I can't. I can see his stupid fucking face. Troy Aikman. There we go. Uh. <laughs> you were <laughs> trying to think of Troy Aikman. I know, the right? First qualifier that you had was he was a quarterback at UCLA. It's because I find it really interesting what happened because he was at Oklahoma <laughs> with Barry Switzer and then. He, Barry Switzer just couldn't use him with a triple option, That's so he told him, "Look, I know the guy. I know the coach over at UCLA. Let me help you out. I'm not sending you away because I don't like you. I'm sending you because I love how well you can play. I just can't use you." So that's why I always think of him as a UCLA quarterback. 
anyway, now that that anecdote's over, going to another anecdote. (laughs) So yeah, another person who's head of one of the heads of advertising for Surface, and there was one time where uh, (coughs) Troy Aikman could not figure out the word Surface, and he just sat there on national television, constantly calling them iPads. And she was literally sitting there just screaming, It's a fucking surface! <laughs> I've never seen someone so mad at Troy Aikman <laughs> as she was that day. Well, oh, that's good. Sorry I started choking. <coughs> You're good? It's okay. So did Georgia. Hey. <laughs> hey! Rest in peace. Pour one out. <laughs> Pour one out for Georgia. Georgia and for the Microsoft Surface. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But I'm really excited to possibly see the very first Super Bowl played at someone's home stadium. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I <laughs> guess we're not even like, that might be interesting. That's going to be interesting. No, no um, <coughs> I, I, can't, I can't imagine that uh, Philadelphia is going to be able to pull off the upset. But you know what? I've been wrong about every other upset, so who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, well, I've been right, right about one upset so far. <laughs> well, with that... Uh, <laughs> with that... Another exciting conclusion to the completely unprepared podcast. <laughs> I was going to say it's not from you just being in physical pain at that Steeler but hey, although <laughs> although that was the case my ribs laugh from that or hurt from that from laughing at that laugh. yeah <laughs> inner, inner turmoil you guys gave up 45 points to play portals <laughs> portals Jay we've been over this we gave up 38 points to play portals oh so much better Hey, it's a distinguishing factor. Just ask any woman approaching the age of four.